Gang, I want to tell you about legendary Austin photographer Todd V. Wolfson. Over the last 30 years, his work has appeared in such publications as Rolling Stone, People Magazine, Cream Magazine. He's shot 140 Austin Chronicle covers. He's won Best Photographer in Austin five times. He's shot such greats as Gary Clark Jr., Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimmy Vaughn, Patty Griffin, Kelly Willis, Charlie Sexton, Spoon, Frank Zappa, John Doe, Daniel Johnston, me, and so many more. So if you're a band or an artist looking for new photos for promotion or album art, or you're an actor looking for headshots or a family looking for portraits or a model looking for new photos, or you're looking for new photos for your business or restaurant, or maybe you want intimate boudoir photos, look no further than Todd V. Wolfson. You can find him at Todd V. Wolfson Photography dot tumblr dot com or at todd v wolfson at gmail dot com that's todd v wolfson legendary austin based photographer let's get down hey gang i want to thank you for listening to this episode of how did i get here i know you have a lot of choices out there and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me so thank you i'm not sure what platform you're listening on but whatever platform you're on give us a follow and if you like what you hear leave us a rating it takes just a second and it means the world to me plus it really helps the show so thank you in advance and remember the last 100 episodes of how did i get here are available on all streaming services now enjoy the show Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys have all had a good week, whatever you did this week. I uh, am on the mend for sure, feeling a lot better than I did uh, when you heard Tuesday's show and I did that intro. I was had a rough weekend, man. I woke up sick on Sunday, like really sick at like 4.30 or 5 in the morning. Ended up going and getting a COVID test at Walgreens and getting some cold stuff and uh, spending a couple of days in bed, but it did me good. Did me good. By Tuesday, I was feeling a little better. Wednesday, I felt a whole lot better. Ended up going out Wednesday night to see the Continental Club Wednesday night lineup, which is a weekly residency uh, with uh, William Harris Graham, then John D. Graham, who's done the residency for 27 years now. And uh, and then the, the, the last band of the night is the West Texas Exiles. Uh, old friends of mine, my friend Eric Harris, they, they've all, all these people have been on the show. John D was most recently on the show. West Texas Exiles were on last year and William was on, I think in 2022. Anyway, uh, I was really excited to go see them and uh, I had a great night. William's band sounds fantastic. They had Joey Sheffield from Fastball playing drums, Bobby Daniel on bass, my dear old friend and bandmate from Liars and Saints, Jeremy Nail playing guitar and William is in great form, great new songs. I heard some great new songs that night and the energy always when he plays is unbelievable. And it's like that spirit of indie rock. Like he, he, he is a unique, he is a unique artist unto himself, which is a very difficult thing to achieve, to have your own voice as an artist. It's beautiful to see. I thought that with everyone that night. And then of course, John D. Graham, fantastic show. Uh, Joey Shuffield from Fastball was playing drums with him too. Always great to see John D. He puts it all out there. He lays it all out there when he plays every single time. Every single time. That's why people go to those Wednesdays and call it church. 
And uh, that was unbelievable. And then uh, my dear old friends, West Texas Exiles. I was very excited to see them. I just saw them. Uh, we did a show together a couple months ago, Skyrocket and them at some at the soccer place here, or the soccer the soccer stadium here, uh, for some party or something. Anyway, great to see them. They were in great form. Um, I had had a lot to drink that night, and before they went on stage, my friend Eric Harris came up and said, "Hey, man, look, here's our set list. We're doing a couple of covers. You want to come up and sing one?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then I was like, no, I probably shouldn't. I'd had a lot of tequila. But then I panicked and I freaked out. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to go up there and sing. And then they're like, all right, hey, uh, Johnny Gowdy is here, here. Like, I, I was like, I was in a panic. Now, listen, I get up and sing like all the time. That's my job. That's all. <laughs> that's what I've done for a job for 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 decades. It should it should not have induced panic, except for I had had a, a, quite a bit of tequila. So I go up there and I, I'm freaking out. And when I walk up uh, on stage, I feel the warmth of my family of music people. And we're going to commune with the great music spirit for one song. And regardless of what it comes off as, if we're in it and we're connected and we're good enough to get through the song from beginning to end, it's going to blow people's minds. And I don't know if it did blow people's minds, but it blew my mind and being in the, in the center of that and losing that anxiety as I was walking on stage into that space of love and support and, and, and just beauty, you know, people creating beauty. <laughs> so yeah it was a great night even though i was there from beginning to end it was a great fucking night of music i suggest that if you have not done that in a while get on do it it's super fun it really you know you'll see friends there if you're part you know if you're part of the scene hang out with people that's what i did hung out with friends all night in the back of the bar just having a great time yeah having a great time um gang i'm going tonight to go see this band friday this is friday uh december 19th right Oh, no, sorry, January 19th. Yeah, Friday, December, uh, sorry, what's today? January 19th, sorry. <laughs> so tonight, I'm going to go to Saxon Pub. If you're not doing anything, this seems really fun at 10 o'clock. Some friends of mine, uh, my friend Heath Allen from Yacht Z, my friend Jason Garcia, uh, he used to be in Household Names, and now he does a lot of different cover band stuff. They're doing a tribute to... Uh, to Band on the Run's 50th anniversary, which we were, they were going to do last year on the actual 50th anniversary of it, but the club that they booked it at had double booked and then canceled them. But they're doing that tonight at Saxon Pub. That's tonight, Friday, January 19th. That'll be uh, my friend Heath Allen, Jason Garcia, and a whole slew of great musicians playing all of Band on the Run and, and some other stuff too, I'm not going to tell you, because I talked to Heath and asked him what, what all was going on for the show. Anyway, I've got my ticket and I'm ready to go. Gang, speaking of Saxon Pub, I want to let you know that Monday, this coming Monday, January 22nd, is the debut of my new band that I'm in called Happy Land. I'm really excited about this. This band has gotten together over the last couple of months and and we put together a few sets of music because we're starting a residency at Saxon Pub. We're going to be doing Mondays at 6 p.m. before Bob Schneider here in Austin, Texas. So if you live in Austin, come on out. It's going to be a great happy hour show. Happy Land's a great band, great, a bunch of great songwriters and singers, Kimmy Rhodes, uh, Gabriel Rhodes, Sean Pander, myself, uh, Louis Rhodes on keyboards, Harmony Kelly on bass, um, John Chipman on drums, lots of harmonies, lots of singing along, lots of uh, happiness, happy land. We're going to bring a smile to everyone's face. So uh, that's this Monday, December, or, sorry, January 22nd at Saxon Pub at 6 p.m. before Bob Schneider. So come on out, enjoy the show. That's Happy Land, all right? Gang, I have a great show for you guys today. A great show. Austin Treasure. 
one of Austin's most treasured artists. The great Guy Forsyth returns to the show today. Now, I love Guy Forsyth, man. And I'm really glad that over the last year we actually talk about it. We've been able to run into each other. And I feel like we're, we're getting close. Like, I've known him for a long time, but I've never been super close to him. But I really like him a lot. And he's so talented. He has a brand new EP that came out at the end of last year. It's called Writer. Now, this record is unbelievable, man. He covers all of this heavy, heavy shit on this record in four songs. Uh, there's, uh, there's this songwriter that the, uh, there's the songwriter, there's a song called Armalite, which, which tackles sort of the guns and anxiety with your children at school, you know, and all the guns that are out there. There's Get Up, which is this great song. That's kind of the story of his origin story and why he keeps making music. It's almost like his version of, of the song Jukebox Hero by a foreigner you know that song anyway uh then he's got rolling blackout blues with his friend uh gene taylor who had died in the 2021 freeze he kind of talks about you know the anxiety of freezes coming and all that kind of stuff but anyway he tackles a lot of big subjects on this ep in 16 minutes it's unbelievable i tell him that a couple of times i'm like it's really really uh it's a really great record. It was produced by my dear old friend, Mark Addison, who I've worked with a lot. We talk about that on there. Uh, features John Chipman on drums, who plays in Happy Land, of course. Colin Brooks is playing pedal steel. And, of course, the great guy Forsyth playing harmonica, saw, uh, guitar. Mark Addison plays bass as well as producing. Anyway, this record's fucking great. We have a really, really, really great conversation about sort of the last few years since the last time we talked and what's been going on with him. And uh, and kind of his early career, we touch on the Asylum Street Spankers, but we start off talking about this great record from the 90s. Uh, I know that I'm being all nostalgic nowadays, and I don't know why, but I feel I'm just going with it because it feels good. It does feel really good. There was a record that came out in the 90s called Do Me Baby, and it was Austin Does Prince, all these Austin artists covering Prince songs. Uh, Spoon was on there. Davi Garza was on there. Uh, 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 a lot of bands were on there, but I was on there and Guy Forsyth was on there. Guy Forsyth did the song Delirious and he did this solo performance of it with like a dobro and an open tuning with like slide and it has all this energy. And I went and listened to it before he came over the day that we talked and it just really like reminded me of just the energy that Guy Forsyth brings to uh, records. He's able to, to convey that energy that he has live onto records, which is a really fucking hard thing to do. And I super... Have super amount of respect for him for that. I, I don't know why I phrased that like that, but you know what I mean. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Guy Forsyth being able to take this incredible energy that he brings to the stage and being able to capture that on recordings. Also, kudos to Mark Addison for doing that. Anyway, uh, we have a really great conversation about, about his music, about his life. Uh, his wife, Jessica, is also a friend of mine. I've become friends with her over the last year. She was on the show last year. Great conversation. Great, great conversation with this fantastic artist. So without further ado, oh, and gang, don't forget, go out there and check out his EP, Writer. It's it's really fucking great. Go check it out. It's fantastic, okay? Um, GuyForsight.com is where you'll find him. And please, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the great, amazingly talented, and always so fun to talk to, Guy Forsyth. Let's get down. Andy 
Langer gave me this okay. a few years ago. Remember that? I do. Yeah, man. We're both on this uh, Prince tribute album from like 1996 or I wonder if I still have a copy of this. I should, but it's probably in boxes and boxes of CDs that are in, in my, my storage shed. Have you heard your version of Delirious lately? It's, it's fun. I haven't it's heard it. It's fucking great. <laughs> it is. It is awesome. I feel like you. It, that, that record is like you and David's. Like you guys stole the album. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see what else is on here because I remember. There's uh, Christina Mars does "Darling Nikki." Yes, you know with with a jazz band. I'm not sure that. Did you did you play that show, guy? That was at Electric Lounge. Remember the release show for it and all kinds of people. I may have, but I don't remember. Okay, so check it out. How this leads into your album. My band that night was Mark and Nina, and Anar, and now you. Uh, I mean, you've worked with Mark. And Nina for a long time, right? Yeah, and and continuing to work with uh, with, with Mark. Mark. Yeah, I first met Mark Addison when Dave McNair brought him in on the "Can You Live Without" record that I did for okay. Antones, and he brought him in as an auxiliary player, someone who just would come up with something that nobody else would. The best guy, yeah, for that. just like super super musical, and he yeah. continues to. Um, to show up in amazing ways in, in, in his work. I, the most recent thing that I did was a four-song EP called Writer yeah. that he produced and, and co-wrote two of the songs. As oh, well. really? Okay. Yeah. Um, guy, that, I, I don't know, I don't, that might be your best record. I, I cannot believe the amount of fucking life and emotion and stuff you put in 16 minutes. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that is a, that album is like a, punch in the gut like level of of like it's it's amazing it really is it really is like i listened to it again a couple times this morning that's the other thing is like you can listen to it like four times in an hour <laughs> it's, but i cannot believe i mean i can but it's like one of those things where you keep on listening and you listen on headphones and you're like you praising everyone chipman's such a uh great drummer such a great drummer mm -hmm. sorry and and also really wonderful to work with in the studio oh so easy yeah it's funny I, I feel like he plays on half the people's records that come through he plays on mine plays on yours he, he plays on he's, he's always working yeah. and, and the reason why is that he understands what he does really well right and and he's not over he's not caught up overly in the technical aspect of what he does although it's it's clockwork um, consistent and he has a great understanding of the sounds that he gets out of the drums. And, and that's, for me, that's one of the most important element of any drummer is, is someone who understands the sound that they're making. Because uh, uh, there are certainly a lot of musicians who can play in time. There's a lot of people who can play fast. There's a lot of people who can, you know, have uh, endurance and, and, and stuff like that. But as an element to a piece of music, it's the sound of the drums that makes so, such a difference. And that's partially the studio, partially the gear, partially the room, and partially the player. All those things have to come together in order right. to make it work. Ultimately, I think that stuff, even with drummers, is like, uh, I tell this story. I, I lived at the Congress house when I first moved mm -hmm. here, and I was helping out on a session. This might have been even after, I, I like after I'd moved out of there, uh, uh, like assisting on a session, and David Grissom showed up to play. And he walked in, kind of talking. He had his gear in the car. And uh, I was like, you want me to grab your gear? And he was like, I don't know what's going on over here. And I was like, well, they got that basement in Holman Strat. He doesn't play a Strat. He pulled it down and he plugged it in and he played and it was, it was Grissom. 
it was all different shit. And I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> and it was when I realized that, that it's in your fingers. I think it's in your touch too, when you're playing. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's not only where you're, where you're hitting, but also how you're releasing. Exactly. And, and uh, allowing the drum head to vibrate yeah. goes both ways. Yeah. You know, you're not just pushing it down. You're not just hitting it. Yeah. You're, you're starting it. Yeah. Did you guys cut that stuff all together? Um, uh, we cut basic tracks all together. So Addison, you, and Chipman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Addison played bass. Such a great bass player, um, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he seems to be musical on anything that he touches. Yeah. And and I imagine, I, I, I've never seen anything to, you know, to discount that. Yeah. So yeah, Mark, we're talking about Mark Addison. Mark Addison. Um, yeah, we've been, yeah. That's so good. I'm glad that we were able to tie all of that in because he's, he's such an important part of this music scene from what everybody hears. Yeah, he, he has shown up in, in a tremendously diverse amount of artists. Um, uh, Wendy Colonna, Bob Schneider, you know, all sorts of different. Me, uh, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did, I've done a number of records with him. And uh, he has started a, a, a music infection out there in Creedmoor where um, a, a number of really great musicians are starting um, uh, have have bought property from I think a large uh, a, a large amount of property that he bought right and now it's sort of being uh, parsed into smaller bits right where right. other musicians like Dave Madden um, you know oh is, he's living out there yeah he yeah. just texted me yesterday I like that guy yeah he's he's a superhero he's great yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry go ahead but, um and and uh, it's turning into an artist collective. Um, I was talking to Matt Giles, who's living out there and has a, um, you know, has a, has, has a structure. <laughs> yeah, Cause we're not really, it's not like it's a house. It's not a, a, a little right, housing right, community. Right, right. There are people that are living on the periphery and they're making it work in the way that musicians are, are, really forced to do in this particular environment that we find ourselves in today. Correct. Yeah. I was just saying, I'm very grateful to still be able to be in this place. I can't move, can't move to another place. Mm -hmm. Like they've raised the rent $400 in like the decade I've lived here. That's mm -hmm. insane. That's, that's wonderful. Really. And never all at once. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and your location here is beautiful. Unbelievable. I can walk everywhere. And I, I like that stuff. Like I, I, I think I'd be, I would be happy on the Addison compound for like a month, but I like I like to be able to have access on foot to things. Not oh, weird. Oh yeah. no, not at all. I think it's I think that's really human. Uh, and the more time that I spend in my car, and boy, do we all spend a lot of times in our car. A lot. Yeah. Um, you know, the desire just to be connected on a human scale, somewhere where you can walk to. Yeah. You know, and and you know, your location here by the water. Is, is, is gorgeous your location to the venues of the music scene where you're just a, a couple minutes away. Yeah. It's totally enviable. Yeah. So when totally you want to get rid of this place, just let me know. Okay, I will. I will. Um, yeah, I have a very good day. I, when I was a little kid, I went to this weird, uh, I went to this weird preschool and uh, I might've been like, I don't know, three or four, but there was this guy that ended up being like this musician guy around Houston that I got to know in my 20s, but when when we were little, the first thing we did was go for a walk around uh, the Montrose neighborhood and sing Good Day Sunshine, like over and over, like from beginning to end. And all these little kids singing, like with this hippie dude leading them around. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been really good for Montrose. Yeah, it was. It was like around where the Manila is. Like It was yeah, still weird yeah. back then. Yeah, because my mom went to St. Thomas, which is that university there. 
anyway, dude, so this album is incredible. Like you, you delve into four kind of different things. There's some levity to the, uh, to the, uh, the, uh, is it, uh, get, uh, uh get up. Mm-hmm. There's some levity in that song. The other, the other three are pretty heavy, right? Yeah. There's, there's, um, uh, it's, it's hard to say that it's in any genre specifically, because I like a lot of different types of music, and I'm sure that everybody who's hearing our voices right now also has a diverse taste in music. Because yeah. even if you're really into reggae, I mean like really into reggae, right. you're going to change your palate every now and then just, just, just to, sh- you know, to shake it up a little bit. And, and I, I find that I'm less attracted to genre and more attracted to personality at this point. Right. Because there are, there are a, a lot of bands that I really love that I don't necessarily like the things that would, you know, that, that would come up along with them. Because I think it, it, it really, it's about the humanity. Of it. It's about the person on the other side of the recording right, right. that is, you know, making choices and bringing something to you. I, uh, I, I wouldn't be a musician today if it wasn't for blues, because that is the thing that that shook me so much that I wanted to like, I wanted to do that. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's something immediate, visceral, powerful in this that I, I just, I got to get as close as I possibly can. Right. Right. And, uh, and that was, and, and, and country blues specifically the sort of, uh, blues that was recorded before world war two, um, like Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson, skip James Sunhouse. And I had already heard recordings, uh, heard those recordings when I saw John Hammond play. John Hammond is the son of John Hammond Sr., who's the great music producer who produced the Spirituals to Swing uh, concert in 1936 in, in, uh, in New York City that introduced black music to white society where on the, on, you know, Radio City Music Hall had right. the Golden Gate Quartet and Big Bill Brunzi and, 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 uh, and, and all these wonderful, wonderful examples of music that I honestly, I don't think has ever been surpassed. Yeah. You know, there's music that's as good, but I don't think there's anything that you could hold up and say, well, this is better. You know, it's like, no, it's not. It's, you know, it's different. Right. But, um, so John Hammond had this huge career and, you know, signed all sorts of people from, you know, like uh, Steve Ravon, Metallica, you know, all, all, all of these people. But his son, who got exposed to a lot of these artists when they would come to the house and, and hang out, he decided he was going to go into music. But he also had some uh, some strife with his father and so avoided any sort of possibility of nepotism by totally not using any of those connections and doing his own thing. Well, he's still performing now. He's 70 something. Wow. And, uh, um, and I've seen him 20 times, but I saw him the first time when I was 18 and John Hammond performed as a solo act, just sitting on a stool with a microphone in front of the instrument and a microphone in front of um, his face for his voice and harmonica that he played in Iraq. And he played acoustic guitar and resonator guitar. And he played old blues songs. At that time, I don't know if he was really writing anything or if I even knew if anything that he was performing was his. But I don't think that it was at that time because he's put out some original material now, but almost all all of his career, he was just interpreting or more correctly channeling these songs that, that he loved. 
and I was really into punk rock at the time. I really loved um, uh, like corrosion of conformity, the circle jerks, um, and you know the and and the underground scene that I was just starting to sneak into in Kansas City mm. at, at places like the Outlaw, the Outhouse in Lawrence, Kansas, and the Fool Killer in Kansas City, and uh, um, and I, I really loved punk rock because it just it, it it said something to me that really resonated in the sort of vacuous suburban sublivian that I was growing up in that culturally had nothing that wasn't based on consumerism right, and right. and cold war spreading out of the target right um uh, and and so what i saw in the in in john hammond and in country blues was this immediacy this personalness this sort of exposed and enlivened id that i loved in punk rock too but here it was without without just noise and energy spraying in all directions, but rather just being aimed specifically at the other person. And it just, it, 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 I was just like, I don't even know what this is. I don't know what this, I just like, what, what is this? I, 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 want, I want this, I want this. Yeah. So I've spent a long time sort of chasing that thing, but I've also been exposed to a lot of music in, in, in my life and I've known a lot of musicians. I've heard a lot and, and I love so many different types of music that when I write, I'm trying to figure out what it is that I'm trying to say. You know, I'm letting everything just uh, uh, mix up in myself and try to, when it comes out, not try to put it in any one particular place, but let it be the thing that it's trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. This is funny because you talk about all of that stuff that that song has a little bit different, doesn't have a blues feel get up when i started working with mark addison mark addison comes from a classical music family right and uh when he was very young he discovered that he had a real gift for music and, and an ability to hear things and play them back and 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 when i started working with him he had this trick bag that was completely different than mine mm -hmm. so the first record that i did with him was love songs for and against right um which was right about at the turn of the century right and uh and and he had already moved out there right yeah that was okay. the the second studio because he had slaughterhouse right. uh which was out um on was it manchac or south first um, uh, but between Slaughter and, and William Cannon. Right, right, right. And, uh, and he brought me in to play on All the Green Grass, a Ian Moore record. Yeah. And uh, you played was, Saw on there? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I played, yeah, yeah. played Saw I that. on that yeah. record. But that was after I'd first met him when, when, when he was brought in by Dave McNair for um, Can You Live Without, the record, right, right. The, the first record that I did, or the second record actually for Antones. Yeah. Did you, uh, when you were talking about all that blues stuff, I was thinking like, oh, you and Clifford must have had some really great conversations about the blues. When, Did you? Well, when I first moved to town, which was January 10th, 1990, I moved from Kansas City and, uh, and I spent a lot of time in Kansas City sneaking into clubs because I just turned 21 when I moved. But there were certain clubs that uh, eventually I was known in and that, that they were like, oh, he doesn't drink. He doesn't cause problems. It's going to be fine. Right, right. And, uh, and so I would go to blues jams and spend a lot of time going to the Grand Emporium, which was sort of the analog for, um, for Antones up in Kansas City. It was run okay. by a guy named Roger Neighbor and uh, was a, a, 
an important place on the the touring blues scene and so i got to see a lot of acts and and sit in with people on occasion because i was that annoying person by the side of the stage with a harmonica (laughs) i'd like to apologize to everybody in the sound of my voice for being that annoying guy by the side of the stage with a harmonica but i really wanted to get as close as i could to the music in the worst way yeah yeah. that's the worst way yeah and so so i was totally that guy who just is hungrily just like trying to i have no idea how these people got here i have no idea what they're doing but i just this is this is it i just i never want this so bad and I did want it so bad and so I moved down to Kansas City or or moved from Kansas City down to Austin I had seen Austin while I was working as a stuntman doing renaissance festivals I played Robin Hood and uh, (laughs) and on this touring show which was (laughs) like being a rodeo clown I'd get beat up by this huge guy who played Little John thrown around and and stuff for like six shows a day working for tips passing our hat did you did you do Magnolia the Magnolia Festival? The Magnolia Renaissance Festival, the, the big one, the Texas Renaissance Oh, the Festival? TRF, yeah, yes, TRF, yes. Course, yeah. So, um, yes, did, did TRF, but I didn't, um, but I didn't perform there. It was the end of the season, and so I would end up going there because I knew so many different people. The, the, the scene at Renaissance Festivals is, is, a, is a real carny. I don't know if you remember this, but we talked about this last time. I, my mom owned a booth at that Renaissance Festival, <laughs> so I, I was there. Like, do you remember like uh, uh, Magical Mystical Michael? Yes. Uh, you know, he lives here. Michael oh, I did not know He performs. Yeah, I still talk to him all the time. He's a good friend of my mom's. I've known him since, I've known that dude since I was 12. Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> and uh, remember Johnny Fox, the sword swallower? Uh, I'm not Is sure. Is he around I'm not then? sure. Okay. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. That's all right. Snot um, and puke. And stop puke, yes. Yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and and, 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 and I, I, I know him, I, like I know Snot and Puke, not from when they were working at um, uh, TRF, but doing the Kansas City Festival. Because oh, when, I, when I was coming up, when I was pretty young, I started to um, do street theater out there. And that was how I got into putting together the touring show, playing Robin Hood. And, and that, and, and. It was a really fun job because it took me a lot of places and it gave you an enforced five days off because you work on the weekends. Right. And with that sort of job, because it's a lot of tumbling and, 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 and fake sword play and, 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 and like Larry Moe and Curly sort of yeah, slapstick yeah, 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 comedy. Yeah, it was a mix of all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, like the rest of the rest of the week you just hang out with these other rennies or find something cool to do in the area and what that looked like for me ended up playing a lot of music with different people yeah and and whenever you had time you would go and try to figure out what was going on around there i did the metairie festival in louisiana did the sterling forest festival up in new york and so i got to go a lot of places and see a lot of really cool stuff one and while I was in Texas, we said, hey, let's go down to Austin. And I remember the first time driving into Austin and seeing the skyline so different than it is now yeah. and going down to 6th Street and just so going, different than it is now. going to different. Yeah, so different <laughs> yeah, than it is now. Yeah. And going because at that time there was a massive amount of live music happening on 6th Street. Now, if you go down to 6th Street, you'll see a couple of bands. But at that time, almost every storefront had live music. It was incredible how much was going on. And I ended up going to Joe's Generic Bar, a place that's no longer there, um, uh, that was a real dive in that no one had spent more than like the amount of money of a cone of paint you know, to try to turn this into a venue. It wasn't (laughs) as much a building as a structure between two walls of two other buildings that they had managed to put some tarps over the top. And, uh, and, 
and there was a blues band playing there and I had my harmonicas with me because I'm that guy by the side of the stage <laughs> who just really wants to play. And, uh, and I ended up jamming with the band and I remember like, like, oh, this is going great and calling a, a, a Bo Diddley tune and they knew the tune. They didn't just, it wasn't just like play a Bo Diddley beat. Right. No, it was like play Diddley Daddy. And they knew the, the guitar player knew the lick. I don't know who the guitar player was, but he was dressed like um, 1960s Britain bouffant, um, uh, um, you know, just like silk shirt, you know, just like big round um, sunglasses, just like really doing the whole like British the invasion. Like the player for, for Jimi Hendrix experience with no Redding. Yeah, 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 <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty much. Or, or, yeah. or, you know, like a, a, a period of time of the Rolling Stones. Right. And, uh, and, and they were working for tips. And it dawned on me that I'm already getting beat up and working for tips. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so, wow, I could, I, in, instead of working two days and healing for five, I could come here and I could play for five days and then heal for two. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it worked out. You started playing Joe's Janeiro. And it part. worked out because I, I, I moved to Austin in, in, in the beginning of the 90s. And I knew two people from the Renaissance circuit who lived here, both of whom ended up moving almost immediately. So I was on my own in a brand new town, just turned 21, didn't have much assets at all. I had a motorcycle. I brought down, uh, I rented a U-Haul trailer to bring my stuff down. I had a piano. I had an amplifier. I had a really bad PA. And, and not really nothing else, you know, a couple of guitars. And I started to play on the drag and down on 6th Street busking yeah. to make money. Can I quickly stop? Oh, yeah, sure. Because that, that Renaissance Festival, like if you, if you see how those performers get a crowd around them, which as a kid, I was wanting to be a performer as well. And you can apply it to this fucking thing that we do, which I still do to this day in Skyrocket. Like there's certain things that think tricks in my performer tricks in my bag that come from magical mystical michael and snot and puke like how to get the people to come in around you you know because uh -huh. there were there there were stages but then there was also just like freestyle you in the middle of the fucking festival here's the show you know what i'm talking about right exactly street performing like pop-up yeah exactly and and uh and that skill set also is the same same thing that you see on the streets uh, in 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 New Orleans and uh, and street musicians everywhere. Yeah. And and I did a I've done a lot of busking in my life. Yeah. And uh, and if you're a if you're at all interested in American music and the roots of where it comes from, that is the roots of American music, especially if we're talking about if we're talking about roots music, not yeah. necessarily um you know the the elevated forms of art like right, know, right. The, the you know the choir or the orchestra or stuff like that but for songwriters for guitar players and uh, and and a lot of horn players are in, in there you know you you had to make opportunities you had to provide music and we're also thinking about a time when people didn't have easy access to listening to music like we do now there's right. never been a time like today where where no. we have such an ease of access to to hear any sort of thing that we want you know anything that you can imagine that you can speak into your phone your phone will spit back at you right. and uh, and and so it was a really uh, it was a different world and if you wanted music, you got your kid piano lessons. Right. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, you, you just, you, you, you took the opportunity to play wherever you, you could. And if you were a good musician, you could go different places and people would welcome you if you weren't 
necessarily part of the problem being you know like if you weren't breaking into people's homes or stuff like that right, right. um because they all assumed that you were right, right um uh that they you know that they'd, they'd be like oh yeah yeah we got a sandwich for you yeah you know so so i i have followed that model in 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 what i do for most of my career to just try to like bring something to people have something to offer be of service in music whether it's entertainment education um storytelling the news all of this is are, are ways that musicians have used their skills to be useful to people so they get that sandwich yeah you did a great job of covering like you just kind of explained the four songs on the on writer <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i, I mean in, like in in that the i i agree i think that in that if you haven't heard the ep yeah you um, should go listen to it it is it like start to finish and it only takes 16 minutes dude like listen to when you're driving home from the grocery store to right right it's it's, yeah. it's 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 not it's it's not a whole lot um it, it it's a nice uh it's a length that you can consume it you know, while you're doing something like if you jump in the car and stuff like that, because I've made a lot of CDs that were 72, 74 (laughs) minutes long because they could be. And you're like, Oh, I want to get everything that I can in here. And, and, and that's not really the way that we're consuming stuff today. No, I love putting on a, a record and on a long drive where you can really dive into the record and you can, take advantage of the intent of the producers and its pacing and its, its arrangement, like the, like the song order and stuff like that. But that's not how most people are consuming music now. Yeah. You know, most, mostly it's the, it's, it's, you know, like you, a song ends up on a playlist and that playlist gets, you get played or it's shuffled from, you know, from whatever bank of music that you're listening to. Um, and, you know, it's, it, that's not a bad thing, but, because it because you know you might be pleasantly surprised in 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 the things that your algorithm spits out to you but it loses the benefit of the artist who's trying to put together a a message in a body of work and i i love that i love i love the album as a format I love I love long form storytelling, whether it's novels or TV series that take that takes its time. Yeah. Um, do you, Do you think like how how do you find music now? Like, are you like do you Spotify stuff, or do you hear something and Shazam in the grocery store or at the mall or something? Um, that was really terrible. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I like to listen to the radio. Um, and that's probably because living here in Austin, we have some really fine options when it comes to radio. Yes, we um, do. Uh, um, spoiled. Yeah, yeah, spoiled is right. There's um, bigger uh, cities that don't have as much. Yeah, KUT still has its its dedicated music channel, and uh, um, and Sun Radio is, is is pretty fantastic. It is great. Um, but most of the time, when I'm listening to music, I use I stream. Because that way I can listen to the things that occur to me that I want to listen to. Right. Um, and I ask my friends what it is that they've encountered lately. Right. Which doesn't always bear fruit, but sometimes it bears fantastic fruit. Sure. Um, and also, I feel like at 55, I have been exposed to so much music that I still want to listen to, you know, you know, yesterday I went, um, uh, went for a long hike and I was 
just listening to a lot of old blues songs from a, a, a playlist that had been curated by a friend of mine, um, some of which I'd heard before and some of which I hadn't, but I, you know, it, it makes me happy. It nourishes me. And I think that if I find myself being bored of listening to music, I'm being, I'm distracting myself from actually listening because if you can create the opening to actually hear something, then you, it will transport you. It will transform you. But if you are easily distracted, as I know all of us are, it's, it's easy to just like to stop listening because you're already on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's one of the, one of the things that's good about listening to music while you're driving or while you're walking or while right. you're, while you're doing chores or just stuff like that, where, you know, you can, where the thing that you're working on doesn't challenge you, doesn't really require your cognitive functions beyond the lizard brain. You know, if you're, right. if you're sweeping or cleaning or walking or, or, or driving, honestly, yeah. um, you know, you, you can allow this other part of of your head which really is your subconscious and all the other the other things to to take the stuff in and and let it do its work yeah yeah so so how do i find music now well you know sometimes i find it is great and sometimes you know like it's like it gets lost in 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 the other wave of media that we're we're all enduring i i heard someone say that media is man-made weather you know, and it seems like we're all in a gale force wind of media all the time. Yeah. Because if your job, if, if your job involves selling something, and I'd be surprised if anybody has a job that doesn't involve selling something on some on some level, you know, you need to get people's attention. And how do you do that? Well, you get people's attention by telling them that there's something wrong with them. And that you can fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and for millions of years, we as mammals have honed our senses, you know, like our, our, our sense of hearing, our, our sense of taste, sight, smell, vibration, to try to pick up on the little subtle clues around us so we can find something to eat and avoid being eaten. Right. But now we're evolving a callus on our senses yeah. because we get asked for something all the time everywhere uh whether it's seeing a billboard by the side of the road or a commercial that comes on or or you know just or or the way that things are arranged at the store you know at 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 different at different eye level different locations in the store it's all carefully curated to try to foster the best possible results for the people who are placing the products correct So, um, so you have to get good at not being affected by that. You have to find some way to, uh, to, to not say yes to everything, which is ironic. Right, right. Because saying yes to everything is the path to transcendence. Yeah, yeah. You know, like to agree with the world around you, even if you, you disagree with the premise. Right, right. If you disagree with the position, still, it's the world. It's the, uh, there's an old uh, Japanese, uh, was this from the Book of the Five Rings, um, uh, which the warrior says yes to everything. Right. You know, you have to just like, this is what is. Right. And, 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 and that's important. Yeah. Um, uh, 
I, I think that if somebody asks you for help, you need to hear it. But on the other hand, in an urban environment, if you're walking through town and you're and, and you encounter a hundred people on a city block, all of which would like to use you for something, yeah. you know, what are you to do? How open can you possibly be and still function and survive in those environments? I don't know. I don't either. Yeah. What do you do? Fucking you know, crazy. like we we're, 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 we're developing a certain callus people, you know, you could also call it street smarts. Yeah. You know, which is just a, a, a survival mechanism to deal in with these environments. Yeah. But how do you maintain that and still maintain that openness to the world that accepting and still, uh, you're accepting to the way that the the world is and you still act in it and you still participate in it in a way that helps. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like over the last like decade, there has been this weird thing where um, I think that callous is like part of it is cynicism. That's acceptable. And not just like cynicism, like you don't believe things, but, but just doing things in a, like, in a cynical fashion has kind of become okay. And you know what I mean? Like, and I did that, you know, like you can see it in the way that people argue politics. And I, I find it on, on a lot in the media side, it's definitely both sides. Like there's either a channel that is promoting this guy or a channel that's, that's like, like, uh, you know, saying horrible things about this guy. Right. There's no like, um, it, it just feels like people have lost their ability to accept, listen, and understand. Mm. It's easier to just throw stones, yell a bunch of shit, and not believe anything anyone else is saying, except <laughs> what you believe one person. You know what I mean? It's yeah. real weird. Oh, oh, yeah. And 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 and, and it's not an, an, an unhuman thing to do because... The, the more you know about the world, the more you realize how much you don't know about the world. And it's easier to try to keep everything in a box, you Correct. know, like, and, and just like to have a name for everything. Right. And once you name something, you can stop looking at it. You know, you, you can like, all right, I already figured that out. I know all about politicians. Right. I know all about uh, um. Uh, I know all about corporations. Right. I know all about X. You know, I know all about the other. Yeah. Because they're the other. Yeah. And it's so much simpler to to just scale everything down and assume that I've got, you know, like I, I, I do my thing and, you know, I'm not going to worry about anything else. One of the greatest things that, um, uh, I have a song that starts this way. Um, the greatest gift my mother ever gave me is to see the world through someone else's eyes. And I know from becoming a parent that that changed the way that I looked at the world because it connected me to the world in a way that nothing had ever done before. And that is partially because I, you know, I, I could just like, I'm just doing my thing. You know, I'm like, I got my, I, I got, you know, the stuff I'm working on, what's important to me. And I didn't have to look at a lot of the other things that were going on. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that changes and you do start looking around at other things are going on and still you're frustrated because even if your knowledge of the world increases, your ability to influence it is still extremely local. Yeah. It really is the, the, what you, what you touch and, and, and 
who hears your voice yeah. and, and the, the effect that you could have on things right around you. So it is scary to look into the void and the world is in so many ways, the void. Yeah. And what do you do? I, I, I don't know, but it reminds me of a time when, uh, and this directly relates to you there, there, I don't see any George Bush, George W. Bush singers in this era. You know what I mean? It's almost like the sense of humor is gone. Sort of the, there, there is like a cynicism. Like, what am I going to do? You know, like, what's my, you know, there was a little while people wore weird hats and walked down the streets and yelled stuff. And that was some way hope. But I feel like, I feel like even all of that sort of like hope and optimism and like, we can change stuff. It's just got gone. <laughs> like, this is just like, where are the George W. Bush singers of, of, of 2024? Sure. The, the, the fool is able to say things that the wise man is not. That's correct. Yeah, and 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 just the archetype of the fool, um, which, which you know, is a lot of what your late night television yeah. comedians and, and 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 stuff are are, are using. And I and I, I love comedians. I love I love comedy. I love um, the ability to laugh. Right. Because there's no success without laughter. That's correct. You know, there, there, there's, you know, if, if, if your, if, if your revolution doesn't have music, you know, there, there's no, you know, like it, there's, there's no appeal, you right. know, like you, you have to have, you have to offer something. And the thing that, that joy offers is what everybody wants. Everybody wants that sort of joy. That sort of joy is harder to find with cynicism and the sort of like, hey, yeah, that's right. Level of comedy yeah. doesn't, doesn't help it doesn't no. you know like you know like it's it's just another crumbling of the soul yeah yeah that was a really great <laughs> that was a really great example of that kind of like <laughs> shitty attitude yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um uh, but but those those people still exist you know like i i um my friend reina travels with a clown nose at all times because <laughs> there's there's always a situation where Putting a clown nose Wait, on your nose or on someone else's nose really makes the situation so much better. Yeah, yeah. And 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 <laughs> being willing to do that is is a holy thing. It's like that's that's a survival mechanism. Yeah. I mean, like like we, it's we can think about the the we have all sorts of intellectual reasons to worry. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm good at this. And, 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 and people who are much better at it are well-placed in the media to try to figure out what are the things that we should be worried about. And there are things that are, are, are really concerning and that, that we have to sort of like, I, I know global warming is real. I know that my car adds to it. Yeah. I know that I can't get by at, the, it, it, I'm living in, in, in Buda. I know I can't do anything, you know, if I can't drive there to right. do it. Um, and so I have to have this like, yeah, I know, I know that this is the wrong thing for my daughters. I know this is the wrong thing for the planet. I know this is the wrong thing, but I'm going to, but I need to go to the grocery store because we need food. That's right. You know, I could have somebody deliver it, but they're going to deliver it in a car. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I have to like push through these things that I know to try to, you know, like to, to, to progress or just to survive, just to, just to, to continue. Um, and how do you keep a positive attitude about that? Well, you can sneer while you do it. And also you can realize that you've, you've got to 
you know, like you either participate or you don't. Right. It, it's one thing to be the monk on the mountaintop who doesn't participate in life and removes themselves from all of Earth, Earth's suffer, suffering and, and its pleasures <clears throat> to try to find enlightenment. It's another thing to do that in the marketplace and to try to figure out how am I going to participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world? <clears throat> how, do, how do you do that? How do you, how do you, how do you figure that out? Yeah. <clears throat> well, humor yeah. is an important part of that. Yeah. Because everything is temporary. Every moment is a gift. You're going to die. Everything that you see around you will eventually crumble to dust. No matter how good a job you do, no matter how much you exert your control on the world around you. Right, right. How do you do that and, and cause the least suffering and create the most joy? Clown nose. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Clown nose, that's a secret to it. <laughs> um, how, uh, you still do, you do show, shows with Jessica all the time. Mm-hmm. Jessica. Yes. Um, I, she's fantastic. What a nice addition to our music community she has become. Yeah, she, she, she's, she's an, an amazing person, an, an, an amazing force. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I, I feel like she adds to this patchwork of weirdos that, that we all are. You know what I mean? This, mm-hmm. The quilt of the Austin music scene people. Um, she, she, does she, she put out her album yet or no? She's, she's working with uh, AJ with Vallejo. AJ, she's, yeah. done, um, uh, she's done a couple singles and she's right. uh, um, uh, done some videos and stuff like that. But a, a full length release is yet to come. We did a full length record together. It's a great record. Uh, um, uh, thank you very yeah. much. Called Conspirators, which is really like a black and white photograph of a record because it's just acoustic guitar and voices. It's cool though. I like it. And, yeah. and I, I really enjoy records like that. Going back to when I first started to learn how to play, when a lot of those recordings that attracted me were just one person and a guitar, or maybe one person and two guitars, because as a uh, as somebody trying to learn how to play, I really wanted to hear the elements stripped down sure. so I could understand exactly what was going on. Yeah. Um, the when when I was growing up, layered and tracked music had started to blossom into an incredibly complicated art form. And it became difficult to understand exactly what you were listening to when you were listening to a record, because there might be so many different elements on it. You can't tell, is that a guitar? Is that seven guitars? You know, is, you know, is that, is that a string section? Is that a Mellotron? Is, you know, like all those distinctions came way later, right? You know, like, but, but at, but when you're listening to it, it just, it just washes over you. And you're like, I, you know, I, I, I remember not being able to tell what the bass was, you right. know, I can probably tell you that that's a drum, <laughs> but, right, right. you know, but, but, but at a certain, but when you first start hearing music and when you're introduced to a lot of new, new musics that you haven't listened to a lot, you might be like, I don't even know exactly what's going on here, which is one of the goals of a music producer of somebody making music is to try to put you in that alpha state where you're wondering what it is that I'm hearing, you know, what, right. what is this sound? What yeah. is going on here? Cause that alpha state is super valuable because the trans transformation that can come through music is only available to you. If you are open to, and, and, right. and music opens people up yeah. and that's, that's, that's part of its whole purpose. Um, and, and so I, I uh, I'm, so I'm very interested in, 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 in trying to figure out how to, how to do that. And, 
and, and figure out what it is that makes people wonder. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but in that record that we did, it's just a black and white photograph. You can hear it. it's a guitar, yeah. you know, like you can wonder what I'm playing, but it's a guitar. The, the elements stay the same. You know, like there's two voices and a guitar and maybe the tapping of a foot. Yeah. You know, so I, I like that. I like taking everything down to, to its most basic elements. Because if you can create that sense of wonder and, 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 and questioning just through the, the lyrics and the melody, that's, that's powerful. Very powerful. Also, like it's nice also as a as an artist as you go on to show the different sort of sides. Yeah, of yeah. Yourself and what you can do because there's now there's so much you can do production wise. There's nothing you can't do production wise. Yeah, like you can even be a terrible singer and come off, you know, working out. Yeah, you know? yeah. You can pitch correct. You can quantize. Yeah, all uh, all the things you know, like you you could uh, if. If you have a little bit of money, find one of the fine studios in, in, in town and a couple of musicians that you know and, 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 and make a recording of yourself. You know, like you could come up with a song. You know, this yeah. is a great way to spend your money. You know, it's like it's, you will get a great experience out of, out of just trying to create something with your musician buddies. Yeah. And, uh, and, and at this time in history, you'll probably come up with something that is listenable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. It's interesting because, uh, I mean, does, does, obviously you're going to record in a modern way. Um, maybe you used a click, maybe you didn't. I mean, you don't really need to anymore or you don't, you don't have to, but the style of music that you play and who you are as an artist is so organic. It's sort of like, is in complete contradiction to the way that you're recording and the way that the way that music is recorded now and presented, like there's no, it's not so much even about capturing magic anymore. It's about polishing something into perfection or carving it into perfection, as opposed to like you said, a snapshot of something like just capturing something, a performance that's magical, you know? I think that's a, that's an interesting observation. And I think you're totally correct that the things that we listen to now in the soundtrack of today, whatever that means mostly has been carefully examined for rhythmic integrity and pitch correctness. Uh, and if there is an obvious mistake, it's not usually embraced. It's usually excised. Yeah. Uh, and I worry about that because that is not the human experience. No. Um, Scrappy Judd Newcomb, great guitar player who was already well established and kicking ass when I first came to town in '90, has a theory that the the uh, um, the fall of Western civilization is really caused by drum machines. You know, the sort of lack of push and pull and breathing in music that is a very human experience, and he would as his first example of, of what is right with the opposite. Honky of, Tonk Women. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm going to do. He produced, he produced my last DP. <laughs> so he's already <laughs> given you this pitch. <laughs> no, but I also agree with it. Imagine, imagine some guy going into a studio today, a band, and they're like, okay, we got everything mic'd up. We're going to record it live. Hey, do you guys want to go to a click? No, we'll just go ahead and try it out like this. And they do that performance. The engineer at the end is going to be like, guys, 
<laughs> we got to go back and start over. You totally sped this up. This dude is going really <laughs> fast at the end of the song. But it's so funny. <laughs> so funny that I know. Like, when you said Scrappy Jet, I was wondering, I was like, well... I wonder which one he's going to tell. Maybe the honky tonk women. What is that? When you're talking about the drum machine, I'm like, here he goes. Yeah, it's funny. I had a song that I that I wrote that was based on a drum machine groove, and mm-hmm. it was it was the thing where we had to add the drum machine after the regular <laughs> song. That's where he was at with it, <laughs> and we did make a loop out of uh, Chipman, normal human mm-hmm. Chipman. Normal human chipman. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's a guy that like, I mean, he's totally, he's off the social media grid and all that stuff because he, uh, all of the grids are not good for you. And they're not. I mean, I have to participate in them if I want to make a living. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think that um, the grid is a tool. Every tool that you use that gives you something takes something away. And, you know, your car is fabulous and can and, and take you a long, a long distance but it's not as healthy as walking. And the difference between walking in an environment and driving through an environment is night and day. Now you, you don't have time. Yeah. I don't have time to, to walk everywhere. If I walked here, I would have had to get up at five <laughs> o'clock this morning and yeah. I'd just be getting here now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's also not set up for walking. It's set up for driving. The world is set up because that's another thing. The tool, the, the, the roads are a great tool. Yeah. Um, you know, the Romans understood this. Um, uh, the roads are important, valuable, blah, blah, blah. But also, they're not pleasant you know, unless you're driving, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. not, it's not an environment that yeah. you want to find yourself in no. walking on the side of the highway, walking to Butte on 35 is, yeah, that's yeah. not, that's yeah. not where you want to be. <laughs> no. Um, uh, and, and, and the information superhighway is the same thing. Yeah. It benefits the things that it benefits, but it destroys the things it destroys. Correct. Um, uh, and you know, you, are tasked as a, as somebody existing in this particular time in history to navigate these roads, both uh, both virtual and actual. Yeah. So what you know? So you have to make some decisions. You have to have some level at some level of discipline to choose what you are going to spend your time on. Discipline is a hard thing for me. It's a hard thing for, for most people. You know, yeah. there are things I can be really disciplined in. You know, I'm going to brush my teeth. Still brushing my teeth. 50 years later, still brushing my teeth. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm uh, you know, working on it. But, um, but there are so many things that it's just easy to be distracted in. We're, we're, we are aces at distracting people. Yeah. The greatest minds of our, of our time are trying to figure out how to distract you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause that's what makes a good consumer. Yeah. hundred percent. Dude, I like talking to you. Can I tell you one of the things I like about 2023? And I almost, I almost like drunk texted you on Halloween, <laughs> but I ran it by the girl I was dating at the time. And she was like, call him tomorrow. And I was like, it's true. I don't know if he needs this. But one of my favorite things about 2023 is I feel like I've seen you a lot more. We've hung out. We jammed at the yeah. Lance Keltner, uh, show with kevin lance like some of my favorite people um and uh i just i enjoy seeing you and on halloween we sat outside too one night outside of at saxon pub and just shot the ship for a little while and i was like man i'm glad i get to see guy more i hope i get to see you more 
in 2024. Yeah, I think we definitely should do that. Yeah. I, I know that the pandemic was really difficult for creatives in general, uh, unless you were a total introvert, um, because it it just was, you know, I, I, when I perform, I'm a droplet spewing fountain. That's totally what I do. Right. And so when you're sick, that's not what you want to be doing. And when there's an opportunity to be sick, that's not what you want to be doing. Right. And so it was the right thing for us all to, to isolate and, and to, um, to take care of each other and stuff like that. But it was difficult for artists. Yeah. And it's hard not to see people because I am inspired and enlivened by the lights around me, by the people that I, that I encounter, that I work with, that I, that I enjoy what they do. So I, I, I agree with you. It's nice yeah. to see you and it's nice to, uh, it's nice to be seen. It's yeah. nice to participate. I, I, I like being a social animal. Yeah. You are social animal. I, uh, I've been, I feel like as I get older, I feel so much, I guess it happens. You just get more, uh, you feel the power of this connection that you have with this community that you're like, oh shit, this is like really a family. Like this is really a family. (laughs) There's my weird uncle, John D. Graham. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. It is. It is it, it, it's really great, and th- and these connections that go back years are that's that's the payoff. Yeah, yeah. Going back to that prince, the prince show. <laughs> oh shit! You know what? Before you go, I do want to talk about. Um, there's a couple of, of of songs on here. It's funny because you were talking earlier, uh, describing all the different things that music does. There's a, and you said the news, and and there's a couple of really great the Armalite song. Uh, very heavy, very well done. And also Rolling Blackout Blues, which is sad about, about your friend Gene Taylor. Yeah, Gene Taylor, piano player. Um, it's sad that he passed away. But also I have to say, that I think that's the first song I've heard about that event. About that, the, the, about the, the freeze. Texas freeze of Texas 21. Freeze. Yeah. There's a real tradition in, in, in the musics that inspired me to want to play. I'm not talking about big events. And specifically weather like floods and freezes. Sure. Oh, you mean you're from Kansas, Jesus Christ. Like yeah. you're from a place where <laughs> fuckloads of songs were written about. Yeah, yeah. It's like what huge we huge weather events. Yeah, it's just what we do there, you know. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> but but also here in Texas, Texas flood, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. All, yeah. All, all all these great things. Um uh, you know, and and Louisiana and 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 yeah. the great fire of, of, of you know San Francisco and Chicago and all these different places. Cause these are huge events that, that affect people and it is the right thing to do to talk about them in art in a way that connects us to those events, you know, because right. those are real events. And in, in, when you're enduring an event that can add to your ability to get through it. Yeah. Um, and so the song rolling blackout blues is exactly about that it's about the the um it's about the freeze that we had in 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 21 where the power grid failed and for my friend gene taylor it meant being without power for six days and it's not uh you know like compared to other places that i've lived like in kansas city where in the winter it'd be zero degrees and 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 be snowy for a couple of months and stuff like that and you 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 might get a couple of feet of snow and, and stuff like that um, and moving down to Austin, it's like, oh, it's only, you know, it's only like, you know, 20 degrees. 
But in the houses that I've lived in, it's 20 degrees between the bed and the bathroom. Yeah. You know, like it's like it's just it's cold. You know, like I, I remember one of the one of the places that I lived for years in Hyde Park was the upstairs of a house that I shared with some raccoons because they could walk right in. Uh, and and it, you know that's not a healthy situation no. um, for those raccoons. It's bad for them. You know, we're, we're a bad influence. <laughs> it's a horrible thing. Um, but my friend, my friend Gene, not unhealthy, not extremely healthy, but right. but certainly extremely cognizant and and fully functional. He was just exhausted by six days of not having any heat not having any power and 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 eventually he just didn't wake up because he suffered hypothermia and 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 just like it was it it exhausted him because the infrastructure wasn't there and it's odd to say that living here in texas where we are well informed that this is a super powerhouse energy state that has made billions and billions and billions of dollars on energy. And we see great museums paid for by petrochemical companies and, you know, see, you know, high rise uh, office buildings with the, um, with the logos on them and, and stuff like that. And it was a predictable failure because it had happened the year before. And they had already said, oh, this is something we need to fix. And they hadn't fixed it because it would cost money. And it wasn't that the companies weren't making a lot of money. It's that it just would take a little money out of the pockets of the, of, of the people who were pocketing the profits. Yeah. And that's totally predictable if capitalism is making those those choices and decisions. Now I'm not here to say that one system is better than any other, but it's, that's going to happen because if you aren't the highest person on the totem pole, you're just, you're not making money. So, you know, you don't count. You're just invisible to the system. Exactly right. Do you, uh, in my mind, there's, there's a hybrid and I know that there are countries that have some sort of hybrid Thing like that but here i mean in texas there's just deregulation of energy which is completely insane but there should be like to me i don't necessarily want outright socialism i like the idea of of a, of capitalism but not in everything not in medicine yeah not yeah in things that make you die Life, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. You know, the, the, the things that you should be able, you know, like the, the things that the Constitution, um, Bill of Rights, these things, you know, talk about specifically. Yes. And that's why you shouldn't have um, a legal system that is profit motivated. That's the other, that's the other system that should be yeah, yeah, profit you, motivated. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, your, your, your safety shouldn't be profit motivated. Yeah, medicine and healthcare, like just the and, fact that, like just saying medical, medicine and healthcare are profit driven, that's evil. That's just, that's awful. Yeah. Like just, just the thought of that is, that's just terrible. Uh, and, and Americans spend more money per capita than other developed countries and we don't get better results. That's correct. So still super unhealthy, right? It's still, it's still super unhealthy. And, and some people are really healthy and some people aren't. Right. And it's not a value 
thing, you know, like, and, and some people can do everything right and still get cancer. You can have people that, that, that abuse themselves terribly and still live into their, you know, 90, a hundred years old. Keith Richards, Jim fix. Remember the running guy, Jim (laughs) fix. (laughs) Right, right, right. I mean, like, and, 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 and it's not, and, 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 and it's not, it's, it's, it's not just, it's not fair. It's not decided by anyone. No. It's just like, you know, like there's a crapshoot in all of this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take care of yourself because right. I love you and I want you to take care of yourself because right. I would want you to treat, you know, I, I would want you to treat yourself like you treat your dog, which is right. with love and care and, you know, and, 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 and trying to make sure that they get everything that they need. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I don't think a 100% socialist system is the way to go because it's hard to foster the source of the, the sort of empathy that would be required to make that work yeah. because in smaller scales it has worked fine. In 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 tribal situations, right. there's 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 situations where that can work really well. But we have to put tribalism behind us as we go into this densely populated new world. Right. You can't be thinking about us and them when we are so close together and we are all sharing the same resources we are on this tiny little blue marble and we're all here and you know if if your if your long-term plan or even your short-term plan is to try to leave the planet and go you know like you know i'm just gonna you know, gonna go to mars terraform it you know, like that um uh, you're not gonna get off the planet without destroying a lot more of the this yeah. of those reserves than you could ever possibly use in your lifetime and it's not a hospitable place so mars isn't the type of place to raise your kids <laughs> in fact it's cold as hell <laughs> yeah yeah it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no one there to raise them <laughs> if you did right that's right okay <laughs> Um, That's where I was going with that. You totally nailed it. <laughs> um, wait, who was the other guy that played? I want to make sure that I give everyone a great shout out that played on your record because they were fantastic. Uh, Chip and Colin Brooks. Colin Brooks played nice Steel. Job. Yeah. Played Pedal Steel. And he's he's been, uh, and that was one of his projects through the pandemic. I, I worked on learning how to play the mandolin and the, and, and the tenor banjo instruments that are tuned in fifths because I realized that I had this block of time which I'm never going to have, you know, it's never going to be like this exactly again. Right, right. And so I want to try to use this opportunity just to get a new skill set. Um, and, and Colin took to playing the pedal steel guitar. That's hard. You the, need that kind of time. The most ridiculous instrument of all time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, and he plays beautifully on the record and 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 uh, and lends a, a a without without it being you know like really identifiable. Oh, that's honky tonk steel playing, you know. It's no. not. It's much more ethereal and and suspended. It's more of the sort of Daniel Lenoir approach. Yes. And, and, and does, does wonderful things. I've known uh, Colin for years and, and uh, he's, he's a great musician. Yeah. I saw him, I've saw him, I saw him play a bunch of times last year. Kelly Mickwee kept on having uh, uh, residencies and I'd, I'd go to that. I would love her so much. I love her music too. And her band was fantastic. It was like Chipman, Bruce Hughes, <laughs> Chipman literally like in every band. Um, <laughs> But that's where I first started seeing Colin playing pedal steel. It was just beautiful. Yeah, he did a great job on this mm-hmm. record. Yeah, man, I have to tell you, man, I know that it's not it's not super long, but I cannot believe how dense this record is. And really, like, I mean, you know, amazing 
She's a great fucking songwriter. I appreciate that very much. And yeah. and uh, and Mark Addison co-wrote Writer right. and Get Up, which meant meant mainly that he, you know, we would sit down and talk about some things, and I would go back into the 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 cutting room and just hang out there and and work through stuff while he was working on other mixes and 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 and. And stuff, and we would come back, play it through, and he'd have some suggestions, and and uh, I'd go back in, and I'd, I'd keep um, uh, tinkering with it. Um, yeah, uh, I've had good luck writing with Mark. Me too. He has uh, he has great musical sense, and and he has strong opinions, yeah. which are really valuable in a musician. Um, it it walks a fine line when you're co-writing with people mm-hmm. because you need because it's important to say yes and not be just like no that's not what i want to do you know like because right. you're not going to get anywhere right. if you if you're not open to something going in a direction that you did not foresee yeah it's my favorite part of it is project- discovering those those roads sorry yeah yeah but yeah. that but but that that's yeah. it because there's something magical in you that i don't see and if we can find that together we can unlock something that is more powerful than what we will come up with on our own yeah. Um, and, and that's the one of the secrets to all of the things that we're talking about here is that there's value in the other person beyond what you can sell them, right. you know, or get them to pay. Uh, because this thing that we're talking about, although it can be monetized, it's difficult to monetize. Monetizing music is very difficult. You can, if you can find placement in a movie or a commercial, you can make some good money. But that's not really what your ultimate goal is as an artist is just like to get, you know, get your song on a, on a, on a TV show or in, in a commercial, I'm assuming because that's just a much more, because songs are more complicated than that. I think, you know, like the, 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 the life of what you're trying to do, the thing that, that makes it available, the thing that makes it valuable to people isn't the, th- isn't selling it, you know, cause no, you not. could buy a yeah. hundred records today. Yeah. But if you don't actually listen to them, what difference does it make other than you can go check out my vinyl? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Did did you, do you put this out on physical form? I guess I haven't yet. EP on vinyl. So so this, this EP right now, it's just available streaming and I'm going to do another EP and, and perhaps even another one after that. And then I'll probably compile them into some sort of delivery system. So, uh, I was talking with my friend, Sean Rosenbaum, and we were talking about how few people actually, there are a lot of people that don't even have, CD players. So I'm going to start selling CD players at the gig. It takes about 20 bucks, 30 bucks to get a, um, a CD player off the internet. So I'm going to start bringing CD players and just selling them at, you know, while I'm trying to sell CDs. Yeah. I still, I still play CDs through NS10s. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm still like, it's like 1992 in here. <laughs> if it ain't broke. Yeah. I don't have any problem. I actually also, it makes me listen to whole albums. Uh huh. So, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and there is something uh, enormously powerful in the mnemonic of holding an object in your hand that doesn't exist in the cloud, but rather as an actual physical thing. You handed me this copy of "Do Me, Baby." Yes, Austin does Prince, Austin a record, Prince. A, a, a compact disc of Austin artists yeah. playing Prince songs. That was uh, like nineteen ninety three. When was it? No, it's like. It's, it's, Somewhere around there, like 95, 96. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. But, but, um, um, 
I'm I'm scanning down the different artists. Um, uh, Chris McKay, Spoon, Michael Schulberg, uh, Michelle, Listen, Michelle, um, Spoon, Fleco. That band we knew back then they weren't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never go anywhere, kids. Um, uh, David Garza, you know, like it's just these these f- fabulous bands, and and just seeing this takes me back. I can sort of smell the interior of the electric lounge yeah, yeah. and, 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 and <laughs> see the, the round kidney shape of the room and picture paintings being painted live in the side of the room while I was performing on stage with the Asylum Street Spankers. And, 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 and just what an amazing scene that was that was created by individuals that had a vision of something that they wanted to share. Sure, it was a business, but this is not a, a way that people get rich. No. This is a way that people live rich. Yeah. And, yeah, that's and, a great way to say it. And, and, that's, and, that is, and that's what I want. Yeah. You know, I want to participate in, 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 in that sort of thing because that's magical. Me too. And, and having the actual CD, holding it in your hand, it's just like it's, this awesome. is a connection. Yeah. There's a, there's a direct line back to that from this thing that I'm holding in my hand. That easily gets lost when you digitize uh, your record collection and you go to the all streaming model. Right. Yeah. Because so much of your head, the retrieval system, the archival system in your head depends on different senses working together smell touch taste sight you know like all these different things they they connect us to the world in a way that the senses divorced of their compatriots does not correct yeah the delivery system give me baby <laughs> um yeah i miss that i also when you open it up there's photos of us that a lot younger at this point it's so weird to like look back you're like oh man <laughs> I got old. I got old. I'm fifty. I'm we're the same age. I'm fifty five. Yeah. Were you born sixty eight? Yes. Me too. When's your birthday? November thirtieth. Shit. I'm older than you. I'm so much older than you. <laughs> like a month older than you. Um, dude, this has been great talking to you. It's always great talking to you, catching up with you. I'm glad that you're on the mend. I, I can't believe I haven't gotten I haven't gotten it this round. I mean, I'm glad, but yeah, yeah. I'm kinda I- surprised. I'm out hugging people all the time. And- yeah, I had, um, uh, I, 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 my wife tested positive for COVID right after New Year's. We played the, uh, um, the, the Hair of the Dog Festival at Green Hall. Yeah, yeah. And that was great. And then the next day I was like, Ugh. Um, and didn't last long. You know, like I felt like one day that I felt sick. And the next day I felt tired. And, and, and then for the next week I've just been like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. You know, so, you know, take, taking walks in nature. Good. We'll do it. Keep taking walks in nature. Everyone get out there and check out this EP writer. Plus, if you're not familiar, if you're like listening to this out of the blue for the first time, Guy Forsyth has a collection, he has a, uh, sorry, a discography. That's incredibly rich and fantastic. You can find him at guyforsyth.com. Um, also, if you do listen on the Podbean app, you can go back to episode 343 from 2015 when Guy's first appearance on the show. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the time. Great having you. I love you, man. I'm I really glad. Too. I'm glad that, that we are in each other's lives. And yeah, yes. A laundry list of reasons to be dissatisfied. Gang, I love Guy Forsyth. It's great getting out there, getting, being able to talk to him. Check out his EP, Writer. Great, 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 great songs. And again, you can listen to it four times in an hour. 
Unbelievable. Go to GuyForsythe.com for all of your Guy Forsythe needs. And gang, if you want to, you, you know, all of these podcasts are available on the Podbean app. So if you want to download the Podbean app and have access to all the podcasts that you regularly listen to, everything from, uh, you know, Fresh Air or Murder Podcasts or, or uh, whatever, they're all on Podbean as well. But you can also search our entire catalog our entire catalog and Guy Forsyth was on episode 343 in 2015. So you can go back and listen to that one completely different conversation talking about different stuff. But man, I love Guy Forsyth. I had a great time talking to him. I did. Uh, gang, I hope you have a really great weekend. Don't forget that Monday, come out to the Saxon pub and see happy land 6 PM. It's going to be great. If you live in Austin, come out there, come out and see our first show. Come watch nervous people try and remember their guitar and harmony parts. <laughs> Always. Always great talking to you guys. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast uh, wherever it is you find podcasts, be it Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast. Of course, Apple Podcasts, the most popular of all. Google Podcasts, but that's going away in April. But you can find us anywhere and you could, you'll get new shows every Tuesday and every Friday. It's going uh, to be an exciting year in 2024. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know why I just said that because I'm weird and I'm kind of doing the end of this thing and I can't stop talking. Have a great weekend, whatever it is you're doing. I love you. Let's get down. Now